Hey, it's Justin, and I have a big announcement and personal invitation for you. This May, we're inviting a small group of people to Austin to learn how to grow their wealth tax-free and get access to some of my personal friends and experts in the industry. We did something similar last year, and the feedback was incredible, so we set aside a few tickets for non-Mastermind members to join us for this event. You'll spend some time learning from Garrett Gunderson, the brilliant and hilarious mind behind Money Unmasked, and the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Killing Sacred Cows, and one of my favorite books, What Would the Rockefellers Do? He's going to share his insights on how to grow your assets tax-free with life insurance. And you'll also get some time with Rob Dial, the mastermind behind the Mindset Mentor Podcast, who will share with you how to find fulfillment in success. Then you'll get to participate in a special investment presentation, in-depth discussions, and breakout sessions on two crucial yet often overlooked topics, personalized tax strategies and wealth building. Plus, when you register, you'll have the opportunity to attend a one-day course the day before on vetting deals. If you want to learn our process so that you can make great decisions, there's no better teacher than Hans Box. This is our most requested topic, and it'll be an exceptional course. Seats for the course and the one-day event are limited, so if you're interested, please grab your ticket today. I always say you're just one connection, one decision, and one strategy away from true freedom, and I look forward to helping you on your journey. Head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live or click the link around this video and secure your ticket now before we sell out. Hope to see you in Austin this May. Once again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live. I can't wait to see you there. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now, I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. Today, I'm talking with Jana Lee. She is the founder of Spyglass Ops, a digital startup COO and operations consultant with an impressive track record, including being the COO of two seven-figure startups and serving as an operations consultant to over 30 seven- and eight-figure online businesses. In this episode, we take a hard look at the greatest bottlenecks founders face in their businesses that prevent them from scaling effectively. Jana offers her perspective on why operators are crucial to business growth and the reasons most founders struggle to hire the right person for this role. In this episode, you'll learn the distinction between an ops manager, CEO, and COO, and how to determine the right role for your business, common pitfalls to avoid when hiring an operator, and the most widespread misconceptions about the role of operators and strategies for pinpointing operational bottlenecks that are hindering your business's ability to scale effectively. 
One more thing before we get to today's interview. I've got something special for Lifestyle Investor Podcast listeners. Jana is sharing her bottleneck detector resource. Imagine your business is a bucket. Sales and marketing are pouring water, money, into the top of the bucket, trying to raise the water line. The problem is your bucket also has gaps and holes, some big, some small, but all are leaking water away, even as you work so hard to pour more in. In less than five minutes, this bottleneck detector will identify the biggest gap currently in your bucket. If you put your and your operator's focus on closing this gap, you'll be able to immediately keep more water in your bucket and grow faster. To get access to this gift, visit lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash 166. Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Jonna Lee. What's up, Jonna? So good to have you on the show. Hey, Justin. I am thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is going to be fun because we get to talk about operators. We get to talk about really the glue that holds the business together, especially for a non-operational founder. Yes. So I'm excited. This has been a long time coming. You joined us. uh, You joined the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind for a session that was just phenomenal. You know, we really were kind of talking about we had back to back sessions on buying your time back. Mm. And I just think one of the best ways to buy your time back is if you're an entrepreneur, hiring people that can function at as high of a level or higher of a level than you can that can really remove you from the business. And I know you agree because your business is based on it. Yes, exactly. That is what we help our clients, our entrepreneurs do all day, every day. Now, before you got into this business, you were kind of traveling the world, right? Like you were kind of like touring around North and South America. You had a van packed with your stuff and you, yeah. were, you were living life. So how on earth did you go from world traveler to <laughs> owner of a, a large operations company? Mm-hmm. Mm, It's a fun story. I like to say that before I found operations, I was literally directionless. And that was true because we were in this van and we were like mapping things out two, three days in advance at the furthest. And it was also true in life. Like I didn't know what I was going to be doing specifically with my career. And my boyfriend who I was traveling with was scaling and starting a digital marketing agency at the time. And so I was watching him start this digital business two feet across the table from me in this van every day. And, you know, we were talking things through, we were troubleshooting and solving problems and brainstorming. And that is really where I got my introduction to business and where operations factored in is that I was seeing a bunch of stuff in his business as we were talking it through that he was not seeing. And through a series of odd events, I stepped into his company for what was supposed to be like a 30 day stint on his team to fill in a gap. And I eventually became that company COO because once I got in there, it's just so obvious to an operator when they look at a business. It's like giant neon signs everywhere pointing towards gaps and inefficiencies and leaks and where things could be better. And it's not the visionary's natural lens to see the business that way. And so when I got in there, I just started fixing things. I didn't even know what I was doing. I didn't even know what operations was. But one thing led to another. I had the opportunity to coach in a community with hundreds of digital startups, gain a ton of data from that about the patterns of success and failure when it comes to successfully scaling your startup. And after enough time and enough data, I realized that nobody freaking knows what operations is and they really should if they want to scale successfully. And so I started Spyglass Ops to help 
be a stand for operations to help educate entrepreneurs on how to utilize this growth lever so that, as you so beautifully said, they can both scale their business, but also scale themselves out of the weeds and buy back their time. Well, I'm so excited to spend time with you because I shared off camera before we hit record just that uh, I wouldn't function in this world, in business, just in life without (laughs) operators all over. I mean, I've got operators that are overseeing every business that I own. I have an operator that kind of oversees our our family, uh, an Mm. operator that oversees Lifestyle Investor. We did a really cool podcast episode with Ryan Casey walking through his cool path and and unique track of running a couple of the biggest Orange Theory Fitness studios out of over 1,300 Amazing. Nationwide. And he has no need to work for money, but this guy just loves what we're doing, loves what we're about, and is such a systems guy, is a total operator. Yeah. And, you know, together, I just think when you have someone that is a little bit more on the visionary side of things or a little bit more on a big picture, you get an operator in play and it is a true one, two punch, one plus one mm. equals five, right? Yep. Yep. Totally. It's, it's the absolute power couple. And we do a lot of power couple coaching actually in my programs, because when you're really able to dial in that relationship and that yin yang, you unlock compound growth and compound potential because the reality is, is like a visionary, their, their genius is starting things and getting their hands dirty and making something a reality where they struggle is with the follow through and the consistency and the scalability because by design, they build everything around themselves because they are their own greatest asset. The job of the operator is to then come in and build a system that can carry all of that genius forward without continuing to rely on the visionary to be the person in the weeds, moving it all and making it all happen. Because at some point you reach your limit or you want to start your next thing, or you want to scale your portfolio And you can't do it if it's just you moving everything forward every day. And so operations is there to help you get the same effect, but without your own time and energy being the only resource that gets you there. Now, let's let's talk about what you did after becoming the COO of your boyfriend's business, because you became COO of another startup. So you have had two very successful startups that you were, you know, kind of running Mm -hmm. those businesses. And I'd love to talk about that a little more. And then You've coached so many people, hundreds of people, hundreds of companies through your systems and your your processes. And, I, and I'd love to dive into that and really kind of create a, a bit of a how-to episode. I love it. Let's dive in. Where would you like to start? So yeah, let's talk about the next company. What what did you do afterwards? And, and how did you kind of even retool your toolkit going mm. from one startup to another? That is a fantastic question. So my next company was called Agency Lab. It's now called Agency Lab. It's a coaching program for digital marketing agency owners. And so there were 500 plus when I was working there, agency owners in this community, they're receiving live training, online curriculum. And I was both the COO for the company as well as the head operations coach for that coaching community. And in terms of my own personal development, it was absolutely amazing because I had literally hundreds of businesses coming to me, pulling back the curtain on their problems and just like laying it all out on the table. I was able to learn and see and gather so much data so quickly and and start to piece together patterns when it comes to what actually works and what keeps people stalled out or small. From a COO perspective, I also had the opportunity to shift from running a marketing agency, which is like done for you service-based to a coaching program, which is a totally different model and start to stress test 
my own operational thinking in multiple business models. And that has served us so well now in my current business because we work with all types of businesses. Yes, we work with coaching programs and marketing agencies, but also info products and consultants and SaaS and e-com because the same operational best practices apply. And this was the opportunity where I got to really learn that by stress testing the same ideas in different businesses and seeing what data the business gave back to me. Yeah, I love that. So I find one of the biggest, I guess, mistakes or Mm -hmm. issues that operators have or that business owners have First of all, it's the lack of operator. Secondly, it's trying to find the right operator when they do. And third, it's like just completely missing and hiring the wrong people. So how do you make sure that you're coaching the people that work with your company into good processes, even around the hiring process? Yep. And this is such a viable example because it literally happened today where a client of mine had hired the wrong operator and was perpetually disappointed. That's how he described it. Like I had all these expectations for this person, but I didn't know if my expectations were too high or if they were just the wrong person in the role. And he was driving himself crazy for months trying to reconcile this gap. He finally let that operator go. He just got his new COO in and he messages me and like says, my COO just saved me six figures this week because he found an erroneous pixel on our ads and I was burning 50K in bad ad spend up until now. And I didn't even know it. Right. So finding the right person in the right role is literally can make you six figures in a week. Like it is that powerful when you're a scaled up business in terms of finding the right person. That's where it starts. His biggest takeaway. I was interviewing him this morning was that I didn't even know what operations was. I didn't know what my operator was supposed to do. And so when I went out and I hired this first person, I didn't even know what I was looking for, right? I was going for a competent person who seemed detail-oriented and kind of organized, and I trusted them. That's not operations. That's just like a good buddy with some organizational skills. And so I think the first piece is that it's really important that an entrepreneur determine what are the operational needs of my business? Like what level of operator do I need? Do I need just an ops manager to run and manage my day-to-day systems and team? Or do I need a COO who can bring a decade of strategic thinking and experience to the table and help me take my business to the next level? So that's the first question to answer is what level of operational expertise do you need in your business? And then what are the specific skills and competencies that this operator needs to bring for my business, right? If you have an incredibly systems intensive company, something like SaaS, they're going to need to have a ton of technical knowledge just to be able to work well in that environment. Versus if it's a super team intensive business model, well, then they need team leadership skills more than anything else, right? So there's not a right operator that I think is the the big misconception is that there's like a unicorn hangout spot with all the best operators in the world. And we all just hang out together. That's not the thing, right? There's a right operator for you. And you need to know how to build the hiring funnel, the fishing rod that can go fishing in any pond and attract the right operator for you. Cause that's a very specific person. Now let's dig into a little bit more on the clarity between the two roles that you mentioned, because I see a lot of people that have an operator, but they think or act like this person is the COO. It's the person that's running the company, the day-to-day, when really they're not quite skilled or qualified for that yet. You know, you also see this in the in the financial world and in startups and early stage companies where maybe they're calling someone a CFO who's really like a VP of finance, right? Totally. And so 
how do we differentiate between the two of those and what's really needed? Yep. Yep. Great question. So I break down the operations role into actually three tiers for digital startups. Entry level is an ops manager. Middle management is a head of operations. Executive and C-suite is a COO. The, the short overview of these three roles, an ops manager is focused on the present day. They are in the weeds with your team, with your frontline team, optimizing systems, managing tasks and SOPs, making sure the right work gets done and optimizing the business as it exists today. Your head of operations is layering in leadership skills. So they're also now managing others and getting the highest performance out of them. They are starting to look into the future, see what is coming down the track based off of the strategic vision that you've set for them and saying, okay, I need to proactively start shoring up components of this system or this infrastructure or hire in team in order to prepare for what's coming. A COO is making the strategic vision with you. They are bringing in experience and market knowledge and product knowledge to the table to say, you want that vision? Here is how we will get you there. And I can say that because I've done it or I have that business owner level of acumen and thinking. The COO on the flip side, to your point, Justin, I see a lot of people hire a COO and then get really frustrated because this person isn't down in the weeds building SOPs. Yeah, you hired a strategic thinker. That's what a COO brings to the table, right? And so it's also a matter of like how much work needs to be done. If you just need somebody to roll up their sleeves and be in the weeds in the day-to-day with your team, that's an ops manager, not a COO. Yeah, very powerful distinction, very important distinction. And I, I just think that this role or these roles, I mean, anything around operations, if you are not operationally oriented, this is a game changer for your business. And you know, today I would not buy a business. Like I, I literally wouldn't do it if it didn't come with an operator that I felt like had the staying power to be there a long time and, and is really good at their job or that I know someone that I can hand select that I can put into that role. I literally would not buy a business otherwise because otherwise I'm buying a job. And, and, and that's a dangerous place to be with the exception of if you're trying to transition from W-2 to business owner, then okay, maybe that's that's different where you already have an expectation of what you're going to work and maybe you have budgeted that time because you're going to give up the W-2. But outside of that, I think we got to be careful because I see a lot of people that go and buy a new company. We've got a ton of people in our mastermind that they either want to buy a company or they have recently bought a company or they're in the process of buying a company. And the thing that I urge them to do is make sure that operator is in place because otherwise you may be biting off more than you can chew. Otherwise, you are the operator. That's right. And most visionaries I know hate nothing more than operations. And so you're you're forcing yourself to fill this role that feels unnatural, that is hard, that you procrastinate because you don't like it and it's not how your brain works. And it's just not a value add thing to do because you've got your genius that's going to drive growth to this business. And it's the best thing that you can do is give yourself the permission slip to not have to be your own operator and believe that there is somebody out there who is better in the role than you are. Do you love the podcast and the book and wonder what the next step should be on your lifestyle investor journey? For a limited time, my team is doing free personalized consultation calls to learn more about your goals and determine which of our courses or masterminds will help you get to the next level. Whether that's to make your first investment or to create your first income stream of passive income, or whether that's to achieve ultimate financial freedom. If you'd like to reserve a spot, 
Head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash consultation to book a free strategy session while they're still available. Again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash consultation. And the other interesting thing that I see that happens in business, and I've experienced this from one of the many businesses I've started, is you kind of build one system mm. and that system works and it works really well. And, and you might be able to upgrade it and tweak it. But at a certain point after that company scales, you hit a plateau and the system that you once built that works so well does not work anymore. And yes. you literally have to redo the system at different scale. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, operations is essentially the skeleton of your business, right? It is what keeps all the parts moving together and working together. It's like a beetle outgrowing its exoskeleton, right? At some stage of growth, what got you here will not get you there because you're handling more complexity. And the system that you started with wasn't designed for complexity. It was designed for simplicity, right? And so it is the job, again, of the operator and the savvy operator to be continuously evolving the systems to meet the needs of the growing business. And to know that when we have 20 employees, it's a different game and we need different things than when we had five. When we have 50 clients, it's going to have to look different than when we had 10, right? And to know what it's going to take to get the company there, because I see it going one of two ways. Either we work this existing system up until its absolute limit, everything is on fire. All the balls are getting dropped. It's absolute chaos. And then we waste six months having to rebuild the entire thing. That's an option or be evolving it a little bit in real time all the time so that the systems are constantly upgrading and evolving marginally. And you never have to do a full reset because the operator is keeping pace with the needs of the business. And a strong operator can do that. You know, yes. for me as, as a business owner, it is not my strength to build out the systems. I can do it. I've done it. I've been a COO. I've been a CFO. My skill set is not best utilized that way. So at times I can be a chameleon and I can play the role that I need to play, although it is super exhausting for me to play those roles. Like at the end of the day, I am just wiped out mm. as opposed to the roles that I feel like I'm wired for, which is building relationships, spending time with people, vision, strategy, big picture, and, and even strategic partnerships. And I love that you called that out, Justin, because I think of it as ROI on energy, right? The beautiful thing about entrepreneurs is they're like, well, I'll just outwork the problem. Okay. I get to the end of my day drained. Who cares? Right. But if you've got finite energy every single day, are you putting that energy towards the highest leverage, most valuable and growth driving activities that also happen to light you up and make you excited to wake up tomorrow and do it again? Or are you putting that energy towards the things that are going to take you longer than they should because you're bad at them, leave you totally drained and like exhausted at the end of the day and with no residual energy for innovative or creative thinking? One of those is going to move your business forward faster, right? And so I see entrepreneurs be very self-sacrificing because they will just outwork the problem. When you reposition it as this is actually how it is costing your business money to not live in your zone of genius, all of a sudden we're willing to make a switch. Yeah. Some people have to hear it as a money lost opportunity or situation, yep. even though the real selling point is you're miserable doing those things. Stop doing them, hire them out to a professional who's going to 
do them better than you, is going to enjoy doing it, and is going to buy your time back to do more strategic thinking. Sounds like enough to me. I wish it was enough, but I find entrepreneurs to be just so damn resilient that they will be miserable and make themselves miserable for way longer than necessary. And they will only get themselves out of that place of misery when you can tie it to the bottom line. Yeah. I had a business that I was in and one of the mantras is that work ethic is the badge of honor and that you can Mm. just outwork whatever the the situation is. And by the way, I'm really glad that I have the skill set and the endurance and I guess a mindset around that work ethic because it did serve me really well in a season of my life. But at this season, that skill set is not as applicable. I would rather work smarter. I would rather hire more strategically, hire more skilled, more experienced people. But I'm glad to know if push came to shove and everything imploded around me that I can just reach back into my tool belt and and work hard and do what I need to do. But I do think that figuring out how to work smart over working hard in the long run is going to serve most people, if not all people, much better. Yeah. Well, and it comes down to what do you want, right? Because that's an amazing safety net to know that you could fall back on and to know that you've always got your own back. That is huge for confidence and your ability to make bold moves. And if you are approaching every task or project or initiative from a place of how am I going to get this done, then what you are accidentally creating is a business that is fully and wholly dependent upon you. And I've seen clients, we work with most of our clients, when they are so backed into a corner by this mindset that they've literally grown the company to the absolute max limit that it can grow with them being the central focal point for progress. And then we have to figure out how to extract them from a company that has organically built to revolve around them and cannot let them go. Justin, like to reflect back to you, you're about to take five weeks off for the holidays with your family. That is literally impossible if you don't have operators and operations running things for you and with you. If all of those companies were reliant and dependent on you and your brilliance to get things done, you could do it, but you would not be taking five weeks off to spend time with your family. And so what do you want, right? It's a lifestyle investor. Do you want the lifestyle component of that? If so, this is an important skill to learn. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And the other thing to consider, if all this isn't enough of a selling point to focus on that lifestyle, your company will be worth more People will pay more for it if it is not based around the founder, if it is based around true SOPs, true operators and systems that really work regardless of who's in running them. Yep, absolutely huge. It's it's not an asset if you have to be there to make it forward, like move it forward, then it's just a well-paying hobby. That's right. Now, I think one of the things I'm most excited to talk about is mm. this season of, of the world, of the economy that we are in right now, because we are about to experience the largest wealth transfer in the history of the world. I've talked about this on a number of episodes, and I've seen statistics on it anywhere from about $75 trillion to $105 trillion, changing hands from baby boomers to millennials. And a lot of this is going to come in the form, uh, most certainly, of just, I mean, dollars transferring over. But I actually think a lot's going to come in the form of real estate and businesses. And when I look at the business front and I look at a lot of the people that are running businesses, baby boomers, people that want to retire, many of them, their kids don't want to take over the business. Maybe they don't have kids. 
But if they do, a lot of them don't find that interesting or they don't have the desire to do that. So a lot of these people are just shutting down their business because they don't think it's worth anything because it's built around them. It revolves around them, not recognizing that their client list is important, that their relationships and experience and, and name brand, you know, the branding in the area is important and people would pay for it. And the ones that do get that and sell it, they'll sell at a reasonable multiple. I, I mean, I've seen it. I've done it. I've bought some businesses this way. We've got a lot of people in the lifestyle investor community doing this. And I think we're going to see a ton of it over the next 5, 10, 15, probably even up to 20 years. So I've got to imagine that this creates a huge opportunity for you, for your company, people needing resources here. But I'm not sure if you've even looked at the stats or have known kind of what is about to happen. But I'm curious your thoughts on this. With yeah. such a big wealth transfer with, with businesses and real estate and all these things changing hands. And by the way, be careful with real estate because at the beginning, it's passive income. But if you buy enough of it and you don't have a team, you again, are the operator and you end up running a business and it becomes a job, right? So I'm curious your thoughts on this this wealth transfer. Yeah, it's interesting. I always revert back to shock doctrine, which essentially says in moments of greatest change come moments of greatest opportunity. Because when things aren't changing, when everything is the status quo, there's essentially no forcing agent and there's no incentive to change. When all of a sudden you're in a moment of crisis or massive overturn or massive overhaul, the ground is shaky. People are seeking other solutions and they are willing to change behaviors, decision-making very, very rapidly. And so moments of great change are moments of great opportunity. And the question is, how can we as entrepreneurs and investors seize and maximize the opportunity, recognizing the challenges that come with it and the reason that other people are missing and not wanting this opportunity, right? So if we take the example, like give me an example of a business that you have seen that fits this criteria and exited recently. Yeah, we've got a number of people in our community. Actually, you know, it's interesting. In 2022, one of the things I said at the beginning of the year is I think the the economic climate is going to change. The season for selling a business is now. If you ever thought about it, if you ever wanted to sell, sell this year. Hmm. We had 23 people in the lifestyle investor community in our mastermind that sold companies and probably about 15 the year before. So it was, a, it was an uptick from mm-hmm. it. But we see people that sold service-based companies. We see people that sold technology companies. We saw people that sold, I mean, several of them in the SaaS business, enterprise SaaS, others of them service. But I mean we're still talking like tech companies too, maybe not specifically SaaS. So we've seen all kinds of stuff. And real estate companies, you name it, we've probably seen it. We've got a guy in our community that has a very large portfolio of funeral homes. Okay, that's interesting. Ancillary products. Let's take that example, right? That's fascinating. So guys, I'm just winging this, right? So you are a funeral home in a small town somewhere in rural America, and you have been running this company for however many decades, and you want to exit it to your kids, but your kids don't want to run a funeral home, right? That's right. If you're the investor entrepreneur, how is this your opportunity, and how are there constraints and challenges? Well, it's not a super sexy business, so you have to be in the know enough to see it through that lens and see the opportunity and even want to go after it. And then you have to take into account that this, like, where is the competitive advantage that you can bring to this? This is a company that li- probably is totally reliant on local 
organic networking and marketing, right? It's fully revolved around the relationships that these people have been able to build with their community for decades of running this company over time. They probably run on very little technology, if any, but there's enormous potential there because they've they've built this homegrown business that has the most solid foundation you could ever hope to imagine, right? And so if you can be the entrepreneur that steps in and brings technology, brings cutting edge marketing and sales solutions, while maintaining and capitalizing on the organic relationships and the strength of that brand and reputation, you've got a winning business foundation that's due for a, you know, 50 year technological overhaul. And all of this stuff to you is like the back of your hand, the easiest thing in the world, all the better. If you can do it in partnership with an operator who can bring the actual execution and day to day, you know, I've never worked at a funeral home, but it's a certain set of steps that needs to happen every single time. It's a certain type of person that will be able to make loved ones feel safe working with you, right? When you know the right people to plug in and the right workflow to build around them, that is something that can be systemized and replicated really easily because they've already worked it all out. You're just bringing some technological upgrade to their existing system, right? And so in that type of example, Justin, right, with the, the right strategic thinking around what is my job in all of this? My job is to see the opportunity, do the deal, make sure that this is, is smart financially and strategically, and then plug the right person and the right technology into the puzzle and then let that person do their work. That's your job, right? Yeah, no doubt. And even from the standpoint of like, I, I believe if we layer in technology, even to some old mom and pop business that doesn't have it, like that's the value add. That's where you're going to get the business to become worth more. In that example, one of the things that's really taking off is people using the ashes of loved ones that were cremated to actually make diamonds or make gemstones. And, you know, that's becoming more popular. And and I envision that's going to be more popular in time than an actual burial. Interesting, right? So like take advantage of new cross strategic opportunities and bringing new innovative ideas into these traditional businesses that could be done in a new way, taking advantage of global networks and economies, AI, remote teams, right? We have as, as young entrepreneurs, we have all these tools in our tool belt and they feel really natural to us. And so it's hard for us to imagine that some other business isn't already utilizing that. Like, what do I have to bring to this situation? But to your point in this wealth, this generational wealth transfer, when's the last time you saw a boomer using AI? Like the opportunity is there. Right. That's right. And and how else do you envision using Mm -hmm. AI from an operational standpoint or integrating AI with your operations? Yeah. So Cameron Harold, who I think that you've had on this podcast as well. Yeah. Love Cameron. Yeah, Cameron's amazing. And he and I started a operations community together called the OpSpot. And AI is one of the hot button topics in there right now, because we as a collective of operators are asking ourselves the question, how can we incorporate this in a way that does right by our teams, in a way that makes them feel safe, in a way that has them utilizing it? And not just us in our own jobs, right, as operators and what we do every day, but we're essentially responsible for rolling this new technology out across an entire company. And how are we taking advantage of the new tools? So there's a lot there. But in terms of how do I see it changing the landscape for operations, the operators that are not afraid of AI, and specifically the operators who are able to build team cultures where the team is not afraid of AI, like the team isn't using AI under the table to get their work done in half the time and then going and getting another full-time job, right? 
the team where that person is actually saying, hey, I figured out how to double my productivity with AI and I'm actually bringing that to the business and to the table for everyone to benefit from. That I think is the role of operations when it comes to AI. How do we scale it so that everyone is utilizing it in their own roles, is unafraid to share their innovation and what they're figuring out in real time with this company? Because I think the competitive advantage with AI is who can learn it the fastest. And if it's just you as an operator or just you as a CEO, being the only person fiddling with these tools and trying to figure them out versus the competitor next to you, team of exactly the same size, but everyone on that team is utilizing AI and trying to figure it out, they are going to outpace you because they are just going to learn faster. No doubt. We just had our big annual Lifestyle Investor Mastermind retreat this last week, which is kind of the the end-all be-all of what we do. Mm. And it's just such an amazing event. And we actually brought in my good friend, H.O. Maycott, and he leads a company called FeatureBase, has a lot of success in that space. And we brought up some other experts from our community, Amazing. Dinesh Gauba and Stephen Backholm, to do an AI panel to mm-hmm. just extract all the ways that we can use AI today in our businesses, and not just in our businesses, in our daily lives. There's just so much to incorporate in so many ways to be more efficient, and not just more efficient, like actually get better results. So not just shrink the amount of time into it, but to actually have a better better. product. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I think the key there is it's a math problem. AI is exponentially accelerating. And so it is literally impossible for any one person to learn all of it, right? Every tool, every way that AI can make your life better. So how do you crowdsource it across your networks, your communities, your team? Everyone is working on their own little piece of this big AI puzzle, and collectively, you're learning and leveling up much faster. I see a lot of CEOs trying to do this in silo, where it's just them playing around with these tools by themselves and figuring out how to incorporate it by themselves. And so I love what you're talking about, which is essentially leveraging your community and the experts that you have so that people are able to learn from each other faster. I love it. Now, let's do a real practical how-to, because okay. you know I just mentioned we've got 23 mastermind members that just exited their company. They've got capital. We've got a handful from this year as well. I'll get the final count as the year wraps up, but it's way less this year than Mm. the last three years. We probably had 10 to 15 three years ago. We probably had 15 to 18 two years ago. We had 23 last year. And then this year is like just infinitely less. I mean, Mm. I don't even know if we'll get to 10. Hmm. Because it's just such a different season. But we've got all these people now that want to buy a business, but they don't want to do the work the way they were before. They want an operator. So how do they go about finding an operator? Hmm. And how do they go about training an operator? And where does Spyglass Ops come into play? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So we handle the recruitment side, if that's something that our clients need. If you're not already bringing an operator to the table, then yeah, you need to plug that gap. And I always say, again, it's not about the pond you're fishing in. It's about using the right fishing rod. So we've created a hiring funnel that step-by-step-by-step-by-step breaks down exactly how to identify your perfect fit operator and then reverse engineer a hiring funnel that will attract them whether that's ops manager all the way up to COO and regardless of the type of business that you run. So the solution is there and the solution is a system, right? And it's DIY, it's done for you, whatever your flavor is. 
The other thing we do, Justin, is we audit businesses. That's actually where we start working with our clients. We audit businesses and we audit teams. And probably 40 to 60% of the time, we find what we call hidden operators, which are people with operational talent, operational drive and a way of thinking, but they don't have any official training or experience in operations. And so our core offer actually is operations coaching programs so that we can take that person. If you know, like, and trust them and you want them with you, we can level them up with the operational skill set so that they can turn around and execute all of this that we've been talking about in your business without you having to go out and incur a really expensive salary to stack onto your leadership team. It's awesome. I love it. And something else that we should mention, just today, you received an incredible award called the Maverick Next Award. And I'd love to hear what that is and celebrate it with you because this is a, a big deal. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This is on the topic of community and leveraging community. The Maverick 1000 is a community of change-making entrepreneurs leading and creating disruptive industry and companies across all sectors that you can imagine and across the world. Maverick Next is a much smaller community specifically for entrepreneurs under 30 who are receiving mentorship and connection with this larger community. And essentially it is about nurturing the next generation of change-making entrepreneurs. It includes, you know, three days on Necker Island with Richard Branson. It includes learning from some of these incredible entrepreneurs as well as peer-to-peer networking. And so I am very excited and uh, got that news today. So super excited about that. Well, I love it. Congratulations. I think there's probably no one better that you could spend uh, three days with than Richard Branson. And, you know, I had the privilege and and luxury of of getting a week on his island Mm -hmm. and really getting a chance to speak with him and, and hang out with him every day of that week, which was cool. I can't wait. And the crazy rare opportunity of taking a picture on the beach with him with a double rainbow in the background, which is so, so crazy that it just worked out. Yeah, it's (laughs) super crazy. But with a lot of people that are notable or, you know, have, have some sort of notoriety or reputation, we can talk about Hollywood. We can talk about professional athletes. We can talk about big name entrepreneurs. I always have this big expectation and so rarely do those Mm. people live up to it. And Mm. I had a really huge expectation of Richard Branson. He's someone that for me, I mean, I would say is a top five person that I looked up to, learned from, dug into his content, his Mm -hmm. books. Me too. And so I had really big expectations and he exceeded them with flying colors. Like he is just a wonderful person, really kind, really smart really down to earth. Amazing. It was incredible. Hearing you talk about Richard, actually, I think there's an opportunity to bring this full circle because if you guys don't know Richard Branson, he's the founder of the Virgin Empire and they have successful businesses in everything from cruise ships to literally spaceships and everything in between. And if you look at his track record, the way that he builds businesses now is kind of exactly what we've been talking about, Justin, right? He brings his zone of genius his incredible brand and his incredible network. But the first thing he does is find a CEO, his operator, to build and launch this next component of the Virgin family, right? Richard Branson is not individually overseeing the spaceships being built and the cruise ships being launched. He's showing up and doing crazy marketing stunts and connecting those people and his leadership team with the right people in his network. He is bringing his absolute zone of genius to the table to make that venture a success. 
but he is not running the day-to-day of any of those businesses anymore. And it's the reason that he's also able to have the freedom, the flexibility, the lifestyle, the adventure that he does. I think Richard Branson, he's also one of my favorites because he exemplifies this principle at the highest level. And we can all aspire and recreate that success at our own levels, even in the form of, again, who is the right person to plug into this company within your portfolio so it can run without you. That's right. He owns over 450 companies. I didn't know that. That uh, Successful companies. Like this is just absolutely mind blowing. But the best advice that I ever got from Richard, uh, and I took a, I just took pages of notes every time I got to hang out with him. But (laughs) the thing that he said that really stuck with me that even forced me to shift the way I was running and operating lifestyle investor, Mm. which you know, was like a passion project turned business. And so for me, it, it was a little different. I wasn't, I wasn't so quick to outsource because it's what I love to do. It's, yeah. it's amazing. So I wanted to be a teacher inside my own brand, but I still need someone that can run the day to day at a high level. And so he gave me the nudge that I needed. And he said, the best thing you can ever do to be able to scale businesses is to hire really great people and get out of the building as quickly as you can. And that was it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it is an important reframe that even if you are invested in or working on a business that you love, that is your passion project that you would do every single day, even if nobody paid you to do it. If you really love that business and want to do right by it, it means honoring how you are able to uniquely contribute to it and allowing other people to come in and slot into the areas where you are not as strong. That is, that is you doing right by your business is putting the right team in place and getting out of their way. Yeah, no doubt. Well, this has been fantastic. I really really appreciate your time on the show, Jana. Where can our audience, our listeners, those watching on YouTube, where can we learn more about you and about Spyglass Ops? Yeah, so the best way to check out us and how we serve people is on our website, spyglassops.com. You can also check us out on Facebook. And Justin, I believe we have a bit of a free giveaway for the listeners as well, yeah? We do. Yes. Amazing. So guys, I want to give all of you what we call our bottleneck breakthrough detector. I will make sure that the link is in the show notes for you. And essentially this is a way of you identifying in five minutes or less, what is the number one biggest operational bottleneck currently stalling out your growth and preventing you from scaling to the next level. We've taken the data from the hundreds of companies that we've worked with. We've plugged it into this really easy to use survey and it will spit out the number one thing that you need to focus on next in order to unlock your scalability. And if it was me, I would take that survey and then I would give the answer to your operator so they can go to work clearing that bottleneck for you. That's right. And if you don't have an operator, you know that you need to just get plugged in here at spyglassops.com. So they can do the magic that they do and uh, work their genius. So, hey, I'm a believer in what you do. I love uh, what you have built. I love the value that you've added, the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind community. And I'm just so excited for, you know, more ways that we can get together and and work together and partner on things because uh, I think it is truly uh, endless, all the things that we can do and all the, all the ways that we can offer value people just in our networks. I love it, Justin. This is just the beginning. Fantastic. Well, I love ending every episode with a question for the audience. And the question is this. What is the one step that you can take today to move towards financial freedom? And maybe it's to move towards operational freedom by implementing something that Jana taught you today that you learned about. 
But what is that one step that can really help you live the life that you desire on your terms? So a life by design, not what most people do, which is a life by default. Hmm. Thanks so much. And we'll catch you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who would benefit from this episode, would you mind sharing it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all resources mentioned, visit www.lifestyleinvestor.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor. This podcast is being made available exclusively to financially sophisticated, high net worth individuals capable of evaluating the merits and risks of investments. The material presented in this podcast is not intended to be investment advice or to recommend the purchase or sale of any security, nor is it intended to be legal, accounting, or tax advice. You should consult with your legal, tax, or financial advisor in connection with any material discussed on this podcast. Past performance is not indicative nor a guarantee of future results. Certain materials discussed on this podcast may have been prepared by third parties, which have been obtained from sources that we believe to be accurate and current. However, we make no representation or warranty as to the accuracy, completeness, or currency of such materials.